The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. You're with Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio TNT. Morning, TNT. I am Natalie Chill. This is Open Line and it's Thursday, the 14th of December 2023. How are we already nearly halfway through December? What has happened to this year? I can't decide if it's a good thing or bad thing, but uh, Gemma and Rick will be with me very shortly. Do not forget that you can get on our online chat. It's the best bit of our show, in my opinion. It wouldn't be the same without you and all of your contributions. And you can also now watch us on live stream on all major platforms and on tntradio.live. So I don't normally go on social media much um, anymore or X, but oh, it was quite entertaining yesterday for anybody else that went on there. There's a there's a man, you may not really know him, uh, uh, maybe you do now over the last couple of years, his name is Zuby. Uh, he's a rapper apparently and uh, he was nobody before the pandemic and suddenly he just just came out of uh, nowhere and he's best friends with Andrew Tate. He had a nice little interview with uh, Elon Musk. And uh, there was controversy uh, yesterday because he had a lovely smiling selfie with the one and only Piers Morgan. Now, Zuby's made a lot, a lot of money over the last few years on uh, putting himself through as being honest and transparent as a freedom fighter. And uh, quite rightly so, people had a little bit of a problem with him taking a smile and selfie with Piers Morgan. He says in the name, gaslighting us of freedom of speech, and uh, he's trying to promote it on Piers Morgan's show. Well, uh, I would personally say as someone who I will never forget as someone that lives in a, in a flat when he was telling me in the first lockdown to keep me and my special needs children in while he had an absolutely massive garden and a swimming pool and everything else in his house, I wasn't even allowed to use my outside space in the park. And uh, Luby just sat there like the good uh, little trademark brand that he is and didn't really make him accountable whatsoever. So I did do a little uh, kind of uh, poll yesterday and said, you know, uh, it was called Zuby as a sellout sweepstake. So I said, uh, uh, put a poll up and said, who do we think he'll be uh, putting a smiling selfie with next? And uh, 39% said Tony Blair and 37% said uh, Zelensky. So let's uh, hold on to that space. But really, the truth of the matter is it doesn't matter. Celebrities, heroes, whether they're on our side, whether they're not on our side, do you know what? There isn't anyone coming to save us. That's the truth of the matter. Mass non-compliance, looking after ourselves. So whether you like Zuby or not, maybe he is a good man. Maybe he's just trying to make some money off the freedom fighting. It doesn't really matter. Um, just focus on ourselves, what we can do as individuals, because these heroes aren't coming to help us. And I thought, um, I did put yesterday uh, on Twitter as well, as it's coming to the end of 2003, I did say we there could be, I didn't use this word, I used a, more of an expletive, but Pratt of the Year Award. And I thought maybe at the end of this year, we could have our own little open line awards summary at some point, uh, Rick. Uh, we could have like uh, Pratt of the Year, Grifter of the Year, uh, most uh, memorable person. Uh, Keith Best could be a nomination there. Most memorable caller. Maybe Little Carol's got to come in as a nomination. Yeah. Biggest Liar of the Year award. Uh, most cringeworthy moment. I could think of Matt Hancock and his fake 
fake tears. There's lots of things going on, but yeah, see what you think in the online chat as well. Um, we've got to try and laugh rather than cry. It's 2003. It's been a crazy year. It's coming to the end and let's hope uh, we're going to have a better 2004. So stick around. Uh, we're going to say hello to Rick and to Gemma after this short break. Don't go away at TNT Radio. Abroad or at home, this is your news. By staying silent, we are part of the problem. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Morning, guys. Can we think in a, of an award or a nominee off the top of your head that you might go for? Yeah, I can think of one. Greatest sacrifice. I saw a picture this morning of uh, Normandy beaches with 9,000 uh, outlines of dead bodies put across the Normandy beaches to give people perspective what freedom actually is yes. and what fighting for freedom actually is. And let's not soil that title by giving it to the likes of Subi or anybody else for that matter in our so-called freedom movement. There is no freedom movement. A freedom movement is when you get together and you actually sacrifice for freedom, Zuby or any of his ilk, or myself for that matter, I haven't really sacrificed anything for freedom either. I talk online, I type messages on Twitter. Let's keep things into perspective here. Yeah. Those are the freedom fighters, the ones that are dead or shed their blood or got PTSD for their country. So, you know, to balance that out, uh, you know, those are my those are my heroes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, amen. Well done, Rick. And you, Gemma? No, absolutely no one's coming to save us. You know, I think that really is one of the big lessons of the last few years. I mean, I've worked a lot in an alternative media since I, you could call it, sacrificed my career in the mainstream. I was very happy to get away from the mainstream. But I have worked in alternative media before coming here, and I've met a lot of the so-called heroes of the so-called freedom movement. And you're quite right, Rick, it isn't a movement. We don't, we're not one amorphous mass moving around the mm. planet at the same time. We're just people who question authority. That's it. We hold anti-establishment views and we make those views known. That's what the freedom movement essentially is too. But I've met so many movers and shakers, you know, big figures, especially in the UK, some of the, some of the biggest names in the world actually I've, I've worked with, and they're people. They're normal people with normal egos, with the normal concerns of everyday people. Sometimes they're having good days. Sometimes they're having bad days. Sometimes mm. they are not particularly nice, not, not denigrating the work that they may do, but they are just people exactly the same mm. and as equal as us. Yeah. We are all responsible for our own individual lives and, and destinies and taking when, you know, we are the masters of our own ship. There's, there's no two ways about it. And it, it's no different to any other celebrity culture, the freedom movement, giving our power away to this speaker at this event or this person who's just written this book. Good for them. I'm not denigrating it, but they're no yeah. better than you. They're yes. no better than us. We are all in this together, equal. That's what people I think are cottoning on. I, I, I would hope mm. so anyway. Yeah, it is good uh, to bring I, it up, yeah. though, Nat. It is good to bring it up, you know, to, to compare and contrast, you know, uh, the labels that are given to people, even us, yes. you know, you know, I've been described as, you've been described as, you know, one of the the, the faces of the people in the freedom movement because we're on TNT radio or TNT visual now, but you're just a normal person trying to, uh, you know, exist in Reading. I'm just trying to eke out a living here uh, in Northern Ireland. Gemma's doing the same thing. You know, uh, if anything, it would be good to just 
make people understand or try and inspire people to understand that That's they it. can make as big a difference as us or anybody else for that matter by just being active where they are and being solid within the four walls of their own house or wherever it is that they happen to live, you know, rather than as is the case with the celebrity cult looking upwards all the time uh, for someone to, you know, lead you into the promised land or somebody to inspire you. You know, it's everyday people that I get my inspiration yeah. from, same as you, Nat, and probably uh, the yeah. same as you too. And, and I think that's why I wanted to bring up bring up the story. Mm-hmm. I saw James Freeman said he'd been on the Freeman <laughs> report before, and I'm sure Zuby's got a lot of good things to say. And you know, there are going to be people that I like and other people like or don't like. Mm-hmm. But the main important thing I wanted to bring from this was was it's not about celebrities. It is about what we do on a day to day basis. It doesn't matter. Zuby could go out there and be a superhero, but it's not going to change the world. That comes from mass non-compliance, and it's all yeah. working together um, individually in our own hometown. So it's basically just about not not relying on celebrity culture because then yeah. we become as bad as those people we originally said who were following the Kardashians mm-hmm. and, or another celebrity telling them to put on a mask. So, you know, I'm just warning people really, you know, don't trust me, don't trust Rick, don't trust Gemma, don't trust Zuby, trust yourself and your own instincts and go do your own research, I think is the is the key for that, Gemma. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just talking about people doing things in their own lives, in their own backyards. Um, I've mentioned this before on this show, but I think it's worth a shout out again, is um, there's an underground speakeasy that sprung up over the last couple of years at a farm uh, not too far from me. And it, we've had, uh, I'm very involved with it. And we've had um, comedians, we've had DJs, we've had bands, all underground events. We call it a private members club. You know, if if you're not known and we don't trust you, then you don't come in. Katie Hopkins has come and done a gig. She did two nights, two sellout nights there. And that's just, that is normal people who inherited a a, a lovely farm uh, and they decided to to do something with it and build a community. And they grow grow vegetables there, they bought a polytunnel, we have parties, Halloween parties, Christmas parties, all with like-minded people that didn't know each other before 2020, but I'm making it work. And there's a Christmas party there this weekend and I'll I'll be delighted to go along to that. I am going along to that to support it. So, you know, that's how we do it. And they're not making a fanfare, it's secret. Secret, it's underground, but it's garnering support and it's getting bigger with the people in the know. And that's what we do, that's what we do. You put your money where your mouth is and you do something, you do something. And I would also like to give uh, James Freeman a shout out as well. He said, I would go on Piers' show, but I would give him hell. So, yeah, I get behind that uh, fully. If you are going to go on somebody's show, please make them accountable. Don't just sit there mm. uh, like a good little like a good little girl or boy. Exactly. So, yeah, we're, 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 go- we're pushing for that, James. So thank you. Yeah, we are pushing TNT Radio to uh, question people on, from the mainstream media. Uh, what story have you got for us this morning, Gemma, before we keep talking about that prep? Not James. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, not definitely, definitely not James. Definitely not James. Um, well, it's a story that keeps coming back, and I know that you know we are today's news talk, and we do have to reflect, you know, the position of big breaking stories where we are, and also around the world when they're applicable. Um, and this story has emerged as a result of a, a, something that went on in Parliament yesterday. But it is the eye-watering amount of money that's been revealed that has been spent on the Bibby Stockholm barge, which is moored off the coast of. Dorset. Um, The whole point of putting asylum seekers in places like barges and also RAF bases, which a high court last week uh, ruled that, you know, local councils, the government could do, are going against local council wishes that they 
that's where they want to put asylum seekers because it's cheaper allegedly than putting them up in B&Bs and hotels, which is what the government have been doing. Doesn't seem that's the case with these figures that have been revealed today. Uh, 22 million has been spent, a top home office official has revealed. Um, the uh, vessel accommodation services part of the contract, which is on the barge, has come actually in at £22,450,722. It has caused an absolute furore in the House of Commons. And there is now an assessment on whether this is value for money. And also there's a cost benefit analysis now being reviewed of the latest per person per night cost. Now, not only is it this this eye-watering figure, it's also emerged that the government's paying Dorset County Council, which is obviously where the the barge is moored off that county's coast on the south of the UK, it's also paying them £3,500 per occupied bed on the vessel. And I think, I'm not sure if that's per night, but it's £3,500 per bed that is occupied. Now, you have to ask yourself, is that cheaper than putting them up in the local travel lodge is that cheaper than an airbnb you know these costs are not going to go away um it's caused a huge furore and of course there is now an investigation into the death that occurred a couple of days ago on the boat um the home secretary has promised an investigation into that um too so again once again the bivy stockholm barge is in the headlines for all the wrong reasons if it turns out as a result of this death we don't know the circumstances around the death could have been natural causes but then again it could have been linked to something on the barge if that's the case there are calls to take all of the asylum seekers off the barge and again put them somewhere else so i know we get kind of a little worn down by these stories on immigration and asylum but look at this money it is taxpayers money and just some figures before we open this up for discussion but it's emerged that since 2020 um 1182 people who arrived on the small boats across the english channel have gone home and you think oh okay so just over a thousand asylum seekers have gone home or uh, or have been sent back um but the amount that have arrived is 111,000 111,800 so it's what 10% not even that uh, no 1% i can't even work 1%. it out i can't even yeah. work it out i've done my own head in with the figures there um so yeah it the problem is not being solved could you not argue uh listening to those figures uh rick especially when you add the rwanda figures that there's almost a bit of money laundering going on there 100%. i mean all that money spent uh on mm. people going into a barge or going to a country where nobody has even spent any time <clears throat> yet all that money has been spent who's it going to it's almost pre-agreed it's, it's a way of clearing money it makes me feel extremely uncomfortable. I don't think they had any intentions. Do you remember when people went on that Bibby barge and suddenly yeah, there was Legionnaires Denise on it? Like they wouldn't have looked for that before. And this suddenly they have a suicide. I, I You know what? I trust them so little. I don't even know if there would have been a suicide. It's very easy just to say there's been a suicide, isn't there, Gemma? We are, anyone can say that and then just make a rumour and get it on the paper. They had no intention of going to the Rwanda and they had no intention of anyone using the barges, did they, Rick? No, they, they need to do some kind of an audit. I mean, like you look at that amount of money, Gemma, 22 and a half million pounds, let's just say, yeah. for effectively nothing. They've hired this yeah. barge, they've brought it, and I think it came from Italy. Originally, it was sailed from Italy. It came all the way over to the UK. It's been moored up now. People went on it. People came off it. People complained about it. Now there's a few people on it. Someone has died. 
all for the eye-watering sum of 22 odd million pounds. You know, there's got to be a paper trail back, okay, well, who ultimately is receiving this money? Who's, break it all down, where is this money going? To yeah. what security firms to provide security for nobody being on it? Uh, the mooring costs, the electricity costs, you know, and, and the contract costs, uh, because there's a mooring fee, I believe, that has to be paid every day to actually keep the boat there. And then they hire it as well if it hasn't been bought outright. So those payments are all going to places and then double check against any government contacts because this week we covered that story with Michelle Moan or Michelle Monet as she would probably rather be referred to for a 200 million pound PPE government uh, contract that was obtained to provide, you know, surgical masks and, you know, bloody plastic gloves that do absolutely nothing. Look at the money that was involved in that and the amount of skullduggery and shenanigans that went on with Hancock's pub landlord. There's got to be a paper trail and I wouldn't be surprised. I have no evidence, obviously, because of the time of the desire to go into this, but I'm sure if you trace those payments deep enough, uh, you would find somebody with their fingers in the governmental high so yes not like it stinks to high heavens uh that so much has been spent but so little has actually been returned and i mean even among the normal public uh most people know there was a problem with the ppe contracts and obviously them being given to politicians friends i just i can see that this one here the bibby barge and the rwanda contracts if you look again if you actually do an investigation i bet it's exactly the same as the ppe contracts i bet it's gone to all of their friends you have to be in the know and this is why in this country the money needs to be more accountable we should be able to look and see the three of us if we want to look it up exactly where this money on the bibby barge has been spent but of course we can't so we need to keep bringing these stories to um, everyone's attention because one day hopefully we can have it accountable and uh, see where our money is going so thank you Gemma for bringing us that we've got lots of stories to cover uh, I've, I've, I've got a good story about a, uh, a mobility scooter being a weapon this is going to be my favourite one to cover next to TNT Radio you should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. And I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. <laughs> the world yeah. is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. thelightpaper.co.uk I want to say this, and I'm going to say it just once. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
We're back. Yeah, don't forget the lines are open as well if you feel brave enough to give me and Rick a shout. But we'll go in with the uh, big headlines of yesterday. Mark Drakeford is gone. I'm sure the people in Wales, let us know on the online chat, you are very happy about that. Yeah, we know, we know that he will just be replaced with another parasite puppet. But uh, still nice to see him go. Uh, Remember now we've got uh, Sturgeon's gone. Arden's gone, Drakeford now gone, uh, Hancock gone, Johnson gone. Notice very slowly but surely all the COVID politicians are not going to be in their position. I do wonder once they've got rid of all of them, if that's when they might release a little bit more information, but they don't want any Mm. of those people in any position of power one by one. They're all going, Rick. They are, and also noteworthy, Natalie, this week that the last of the Australian premiers that resided over Australia during the scandemic, Anastasia Palaszczuk, she also retired this week. So uh, all of those, uh, that wave of Aussie tyrants have all thrown their hats in, uh, are all retired now as well. And yeah, a lot of people moving across to the side, being replaced. The replacement for Drakeford, they say, is going to be uh, uh, much worse. Uh, This chap, uh, he's a trade unionist through and through, or someone referred to him as a commie. So uh, if he does get into power or he is Drakeford's replacement, you know, I can't see things getting any better. For Wales, however, yeah. I think there will be a lot of celebrations today as Drakeford retires. He's stepping down in March uh, with a new Welsh Labour leader due to be elected before Easter next year. And that's when they, uh, the word on the street, let me just say, is that there could be an, uh, a Brit election around about the same time, around about yeah. Easter next year. Also, he denied the backlash over the 20 miles per hour speed limit uh, had anything to do with it. He's 69 years of age. Uh, he had planned down to stand, he, sorry, he had planned to stand down in 2024, but the timing of his announcement was a surprise. And I read somewhere yesterday that he, he claimed, I said I would serve for five years, so I'm going to serve five years to the day and keep to my word. So he's using this almost prophetic. Oh, so make him look. Like, him look a like a man of integrity. A man of integrity and like a biblical prophet. I, I told you it would be five <laughs> years and it's been five years to the day. So, yeah, I'd say he's, without a shadow of a doubt, a very, very despised man because of the yeah. uh, restrictions the, during the, COVID and everything that's came after it. He's just a man that piece. wants to save my life by uh, limiting the meal deal. It's gonna. Mm-hmm. It's, he's gonna yeah. save the world with that and uh, yeah. changing uh, the speed limits to twenty miles an hour. But you know what makes me sick as well when you have these stories. Both Rishi Sunak and uh, Ker Starmer paid tribute to the to the man. Wouldn't you like it if a politician came out and went, "He did an awful job. I really didn't agree with his policies." Uh, do you know what? I think respect would go up for them so much. But instead, it's all this lovey-dovey. Oh, Mark Draper did a wonderful job. No, he didn't. He did an absolutely terrible job. The reason he's had to quit is he's outdone his usefulness. They have basically told him, "You are hated by the Welsh. Absolutely despised." Put your notice in, off your trot, goodbye. And then we've got all of this, oh, wasn't he so wonderful by all the other politicians? It just is all even more fake, isn't it? I wish I could be a politician. Oh, because I would give I would tell, uh, give everyone a piece of my mind, but maybe that's why I'm not there in the first place. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not- the game. I'm not sure I could do it. He he also uh, he also uh, has had a very checkered home life as well. Uh, his yeah. wife died last year, I think it was. His wife Claire died last year suddenly. She died suddenly, and also his son 
is a, an absolute uh, thug. Yes. Uh, he's in prison at the minute or he's on release and has been uh, re-locked up because of uh, dodgy chat group joinings. He's got uh, sexual offences uh, to his name as well. He keeps that one very hush-hush too. Who knows, maybe something will come out, some scandal will break. I hope not, but maybe some scandal will break Natalie in the foreseeable future with that. And of course, if Drakeford's already off the scene, it spurs yeah. any... Uh, you know, shame and disgrace upon his party. But I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm just speculating here, but it could be one of the reasons because someone like Drakeford and Natalie, they don't want to relinquish power. If he said he was going to try and hang on to next year, you know, you got to believe that he would have been there to the last minute. So the fact that it's been a sudden move and people didn't foresee this happening right now suggests to me that there's something brewing in the background that he's exiting stage left before this actually hits the hits the headlines. It makes me think of more evidence that an early general election is going to take place. He told BBC Wales he wanted a new leader in place by the time of the next general elections. It's almost telling you there, um, as we said, uh, they're trying to make the Tory party look particularly incompetent and bring an early general election. Uh, so there's two people they're saying, uh, and only Labour uh, work pe way, Labour um, MPs um, in Wales can come as two uh, front runners are now there, um, Minister Vaughan Geffen and Education Minister Jeremy Miles. Those are the two people that look like yeah. they, I mean, I don't know who they are, actually. I don't know if you do, if their names mean yes, anything check, to you. Yes, check out uh, that first guy that you mentioned there, Vaughan. Check that guy out. He is yeah. an absolute head case. So that's the one that I was actually referring to as the trade union, right. uh, trade union chief uh, that could be stepping in to replace Drakeford. So the smart money is on him getting a elected and uh, if you thought Hancock was bad I think he might have been involved in the Welsh Health Department uh, don't, do. don't quote me on that from memory but he is uh, he is a, a total nightmare so probably then he will be the guy that will get the job so uh, the yeah. first guy you mentioned oh. Vaughan uh, I'd say it will go to him yeah, sadly, I was going to say, uh, from what I've seen in the last couple of years, uh, when somebody awful leaves in politics, I so far haven't seen anyone better come in to take their place. They tend to come in uh, with much harsher, more authoritarian rules nearly every time. So despite it being a good thing, Mark Drakeford's gone. I'm sorry to say, I think his uh, uh, predecessor is going to be uh, is going to be even worse. Was that the right word? His predecessor for afterwards? Yeah, it is, isn't it? His, his successors. successors successor. His successor, not his predecessor. Yeah. His successor is going to, I mean, his predecessor was probably awful as well, but his successor, I believe, we don't know, is going to be. We don't, we don't know who his predecessor was, but I think it's a fair <laughs> thing to say that he probably sucked as well. So anyway. Yeah, this is exactly <laughs> we what don't, we're We don't know who it was, but he must have sucked. <laughs> this too. is how much research we've done on Welsh politics this morning. And that's, that's what we are at TNT Radio. Uh, we've got to take a quick break for the headlines and then I will do uh, the mobility scooter weapon story because it has to be done here at TNT. Oh, yeah? We interrupt the regular programming to bring you some breaking news. Breaking news. Now, TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. U.S. House Republicans have vowed to hold Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress after he refused to comply with their subpoena, ordering him to testify in a private hearing as part of the House's impeachment investigation into his father. Elon Musk is reportedly opening his own school focused on science, technology, engineering and mathematics. And the U.S. has formally requested military assistance from Australia in response to rising tensions in the Middle East. 
Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT Radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT Radio. Yeah, welcome back. I'm going to pass over to Ricky. He said he had a good Welsh story to carry on from our last one. Yeah, well, it was. this was just, the only reason why I'm bringing this up is this has just been mentioned with Drakeford and uh, a friend of mine, uh, Wes Morris, who's been on Locked and Loaded a few times. He's part of the Welsh Action Resistance Group. Uh, he's uh, he's in a group called 20 is Not Plenty, which is a group to discuss the 20 mile an hour speed limit in Wales. Now, this is just a, a post that was put up there yesterday. He said, a friend of mine got a bus yesterday in Swansea. The bus was full and was going up a steep hill to go towards the Morriston Hospital. Uh, she said the bus gradually got slower and slower and eventually came to a stop. The driver told the people on the bus they would have to get up and walk to the top of the hill <laughs> as the bus couldn't get up the hill driving at 20 miles per hour. So it needed some <laughs> kind of momentum with a bus full of people to get to the top of the hill. So people had paid to get onto the bus. There were elderly people on it, people with prams, etc. What has Wales come to? So this driver was so adamant. He was sticking to the 20 miles an hour limit. He literally couldn't make it up the steep hill. I believe this is a, a true story because they're mentioning, you know, Swansea and Morriston Hospital. And there must have been a lot of people on that bus that had to get out. And then when he crested the hill, then they got back on again and continued their journey. So that's the kind of madness that these speed Brilliant. limits are bringing in. Uh, buses not even getting up hills. And the driver's too afraid to put the foot down and drive at, what, 30 miles an hour, 40 miles an hour just to make it up that hill. Crazy now. Absolutely. I remember reading that Drakeford was uh, changing it for the buses. Do you remember? He said he was going to have a special exception. He was going to let them uh, travel at 30 mile an hour. But obviously that's not coming to play yet. So they, I thought you were actually going to say it was certain people pushing the bus up the uh, hill. I had this image of uh, people get the granny getting off the bus. The granny pushing push, the bus up push, the hill. Granny, push, granny, push. <laughs> yeah, like friends, pivot, but no. Uh, so we're, we're, this is what Wales has come to, but this is another brilliant story. So the question is, should a mobility scooter be considered as a weapon? No, I am not joking. Uh, it's a brilliant story in the Daily Fail, and there's a video. And uh, uh, apparently he's a bit of a crumpy old soul, this man on a mobility scooter. And uh, he, they, people are saying they know him in the local community. He's a Jekyll and Hyde character. He also carries a walking stick that he hits people with as he goes past. <laughs> You've got to find this video. And then he says, and in the Daily Mail, it says, did you see the pasty powwow unfold? Or do you know the people involved? And I'm not kidding. Apparently, uh, they've made it. It was a, you know. <laughs> It was a war. It says the unsavoury scenes and the war erupted outside the bakery after trying to get the last steak pasty in town. Um, and uh, this is true. In the end, Devon and Cornwall police were able to were able to identify the perpetrator and the man on the mobility scooter. And my favourite picture from the whole article, it was then seized by police 
resulting in the comical scenes of a PCSO riding it back to the police station. So I'm not joking. If you want to see the state of our police, we've got actual... What did they do with the old guy? You know, the cop (laughs) rode the mobility scooter. The able-bodied cop, I would imagine, rode the mobility scooter back to the station. What about the old guy that was on it that needed it to get about? And it's been seized as a weapon. With seized, so he's shuffling around on his walking sticks, which he also uses as deadly weapons as well, by the way. And listen, this is, this is uh, actually, th- don't forget, there was another clip from Wales of a mobility scooter actually flying down the footpath quicker than the cars were actually driving okay. down the roads in Wales. And let me say this, if he's listening today, my closest friend, Johnny Fisher, uh, he uses one of these scooters to get about. Uh, he had a catastrophic uh you know, brain injury when he was in his 20s and he's been consigned to these uh, motability scooters to get about. He is a weapon, Natalie, in that thing. Uh, I, I I think he's a menace to society and I'm saying this in love. He he did hit an OAP in our town centre, the one that I used to live in, and almost killed him. Those scooters weigh about, I'd say, a quarter of a tonne easily a quarter of a ton and if they're driving at 15 or 20 miles an hour plus the weight of the person on it if you or i was to get hit by that thing believe you me clean on head on at full speed it would be devastating almost (laughs) like being hit by a small car you know he did knock over a um a male oap and then there was screams and just he could have broke his hip he could have killed carried on no but after he was down and kept hitting him with his walking stick as well it was proper abh gbh whatever you want to call it but yeah the best bit about it is uh you know the answer is is a mobility scooter considered a weapon the answer according to the devon and cornwall police is yes it is and it has been seized so the moral of the story today is watch out for a mobility scooter you never know how dangerous they can be rick and watch out for away peas as well because this old fella too i mean it gives a new meaning to the term having a beef with someone because this was literally <laughs> over a steak pasty boom boom but i've seen another uh picture uh this week of, a, of an old man on a motability scooter who was trying to get down a footpath. Now, someone had a set of ladders up. They were painting a, a, a painting a, a window or painting yeah. something in the high street. He could have went under the ladders, okay? But he stopped. He looked up. He started cursing out the guy on the ladders. And then he leaned forward and he started shaking the ladders. And the guy came down uh, from about 20 feet up and was severely injured on the ground. Then the old man just drove off. Uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, there's some crazy old uh, loons out there, and this man in particular, it said he has a Jekyll and Hyde type personality. So yeah, uh, and a walking stick that he's not afraid to use. So in this case, if it was an accident, of course it's not a weapon that was used intentionally if you just bumped into someone. But he did this with malicious no, intent. And- absolutely, deliberately. Anyone that got yeah. hearing that they were getting smashed with a walking stick. So I tell uh- you what. <laughs> Do you ever remember that Maybe show, the- Robot Wars? Or Robot yes, Wars? He, I he love used to that. have to build this death drones up. Well, he's like a death drone. He's got this huge motability scooter, and a secondary weapon is his walking stick. And listen, the people that he's running and beefing with, uh, are the, they're also old age pensioners. And if that old fellow that he hit had a fell over and, for example, broke his hip, that could have led to uh, life changing complications or even uh, death. So the old the- man literally. Well- I say we're we're, we're all, but they're all trying to make us worried about that small boats they're telling us about. I'd say 
we don't know how many people in the country there are with mobility scooters. They're they're an untold weapon. So mm -hmm. so while we've got the, our old age pensioners on mobility scooters, we still stand a chance as long as they've got their walking sticks too. I'll bat it back over to you, Rick. What do you want our next story to be? I will give an honourable shout out actually to the Daily Mail for this one because normally I'm not a fan fan of their uh, methods of journalism, but this story. Actually, mm. read. Do you ever remember Viz, the cart, the comic yeah. called Viz? This reads yeah. like a Viz piece. Uh, it really does. So from start to finish, the headlines and everything, it's absolute comedy. It is comical. So, uh, if you so go look find this it. One up, yeah, yeah. Watch it, it, the video. It is a, yeah. It yeah, really or if is you can, one. If you can leave a there. link. If you can leave a yeah. link, because I can't do that sort of thing. If you can yeah, leave I'll a link in the live chat to the video, uh, it will give people a little chuckle uh, on this uh, cold, uh, dark December yes. morning. So, yeah, as you're doing that, uh, I'll move along to another yep. story here. So basically, uh, we've covered off Drakeford. Uh, we've covered off uh, the mobility scooter crazy man. Yeah, here's one here. Uh, this is, a, unfortunately, someone that we have discussed before on Open Line, which is John Venables, one of the killers of James Bulger. Um, he has been denied parole again because of uh, his uh, concern or the concern that he would pose to the people handling him. Uh, to the members of the public. So James Bulger killer John Venables has parole been rejected. The decision to reject his parole was based uh, was made by a panel following a two-day hearing held behind closed doors. And again, this guy is being protected at our expense. He has had new identities at our expense. Uh, he has been locked up at our expense. And now he's been denied uh, release back into the population, as in the general population, us. Uh, and again, he's going to be funded at our expense. But yet, we're not being told why exactly uh, they denied his parole. Uh, they're alluding to uh, child pornography and uh, yep. pos possible assault on children. But surely there should be full disclosure. If they're going to hide this sick pig uh, and protect him and give him a new identity and keep him safe from vigilantes, surely there should also be complete transparency with the public who are paying for all of this as to exactly why he's deemed to be a major threat to children. I mean, yeah, they're not giving the correct information out. And I wonder, up at this stage, they know he's never going to come out. I wonder if... if the uh, kind of information they've got on him in terms of his risk is so bad, uh, they don't almost want to tell the public. Um, I know uh, his, uh, James Bolger's mum, Denise Fergus, has said this is the day we've been waiting for. As far as she's concerned, um, you know, that that she can uh, almost live at peace now. The prospect of him coming out was terrifying. I knew he would harm again. Um, so I'm, I'm truly, truly glad. It looks to me on this, it says that he'll never almost come up now again for a parole. I think he will spend the rest of his life behind bars. I think it's one of the most horrific cases that I've ever read in my life. I truly believe this man uh, shouldn't be out in the public. Um, but the thing that's uh, most um, hypocritical about it, like you say, so it says Caroline Corby, the chair of the parole board for England and Wales, had ruled proceedings should take place in private because of a long-standing legal order that bans the public identification of Venables. Well, he's getting more protection here than any victims that I know. Hmm. You know, we've seen this all the time. I mean, not being funny, we take even Hugh Edwards or Philip Schofield or Russell Brand. Their, their names have been put out into public. But this man who's committed one of the worst crimes we've ever seen in the UK, he's been protected. Rick, mm -hmm. does it sound very fair to you? 
It's not, and I believe uh, there were a lot of people that were uh, hell bent on revealing this guy uh, exactly who he was when he was released previously. Yeah. Had been given a new identity, and I think he was doxxed uh, on 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 a social media platform. And the person that did it was then prosecuted uh, for breaking court injunctions. And that person who wanted to highlight, look, this is the guy who killed James Bulger. He's now living in your community. Keep your children close. If you see this guy, what's wrong with doing that? But yet he was then prosecuted and then Venables was given another identity at our expense and moved to somewhere else at our expense. And here we are today uh, still talking about this blight on humanity uh, I, I locked think, up at our yeah. at our expense. Yeah, and I, I don't think he's going to get out again. Funnily enough, I started watching their program on Netflix yesterday, The World's Worst Prison. It started with one in Finland, went to one in Czech, and I know you've done work in prisons in Africa. Mm. And um, I don't believe he's going to have it particularly hard, Mr. Venables, either. I bet he's got a nice solitary own room. Mm. I bet he's able to play computers every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's having as hard a time of it. And he's probably been institutionalized anyway. Um, I think he'd probably be one if he did go out. He'd know he was going straight back to prison. So he would be the worst, worst risk. So some good news, at least, that we know he will never be out, Rick. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So, uh, and the other one doesn't mentioned as much. Thompson, uh, the, his, uh, yeah. his uh, co co murderer, isn't mentioned as much. So, I'm wondering what's going on with him as well. Maybe he has been, uh, you know, kept a low profile and kept himself uh, free from crime. I don't know, but the focus always seems to be on yeah. this uh, little rat, my, Venables. My understanding is that Venables was the kind of one that was the worst and pushed all the, the crimes, but either way, they both uh, need to be punished. We need to take a break now, um, and we've got more to cover here at TNT. Don't go away. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Congratulations to new Argentine President Javier Malay, who was sworn in over the weekend. Malay's election last month rocked the South American nation and the world and returned Argentina's government to the people after decades of socialists robbing them blind. How blind? The hyperinflation in Argentina has been outrageous, impoverishing up to 40% of the population. Inflation for 2023 stands at 183%. As bad as Bidenomics is, at least it's not that bad. And President Malay set an example for once and future President Donald Trump by signing an executive order as his first official act in office that reduced the number of ministries from 21 to 9. Twelve ministries, such as the Ministry of Women, Genders and Diversity, are no more. Not only will that help the bottom line in Argentina, it will expand liberty and bring a better quality of life to the Argentine people. Here's hoping that that happens in the United States in 2025. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. When I had my heart event close to four years ago, I was at the gym, thought I deserve a coffee, and thought I'll top up with fuel, ordered a coffee. But while I was pumping fuel, I started to get chest pains. Then it got worse and worse and worse. So then I was leaning on the counter thinking, yeah, something's not quite right. So then I went to wait for the coffee and that's when it really, really hit. And Joy just, you know, mouthed, do you need an ambulance? And I remember nodding. I wasn't even thinking about a heart attack. I just thought something is seriously wrong with me here. 
So when the cardiologist came to see me, she informed me that I'd had what they call a widowmaker heart attack. Bit of a shock when someone says, you know, you nearly died. <laughs> Everybody should be aware of all the symptoms of a heart attack that women can have that aren't typical of the shoulder pain, the right arm pain. I go to the gym, I do yoga, Pilates, I swim, I go on bike rides, and yet I still had a heart attack. You just don't know it could be you. This is a place for crazy people. Natalie Cheel and Rick Mott. Thank you, listen. TNT. I put the link in the online chat uh, for the video of the OAP uh, running over a fellow pensioner for a stake. And <laughs> underneath Mr. Moose put evil monster. And I'm not sure if he was referring to the OAP or John Venable. So maybe you could let us know which one it was. Uh, but moving on to this story, kind of links to what we were saying about data protection. Now, this mm -hmm. is in Northern Ireland. But these type of groups I've seen on Facebook, and I think they are absolutely terrible. It's uh, got 25,000 members in it now. Uh, um, I'm trying to see what the name of it. Are we dating the same guy, Belfast, Derry, Northern Ireland? And it means that any woman can go on there, whether it be anonymously or whether they use their name. And it's if they've been on a date with someone and if they see a red flag, they can put up this person's name. They can tell awful lies about them. I think it's absolutely awful. It's like basically being made guilty with no evidence or no trial. Somebody could do that just because they don't like you, just because mm -hmm. they've had a bad relationship with you, because they're jealous, because they want revenge, because they're sick in the head and they've got red flags. And there are men who say their lives are actually getting ruined. You know, where at the end of the day, people make mistakes. Maybe they were an arsehole to you in your relationship. Mm -hmm. Does that give you the right to put them up on social media and make them out to be a monster when they can't even defend themselves or get into that group, Rick? There has to be some kind of uh, consequence to doing this because when there's no consequences to doing things like this, people will continue to do it. So I'm just thinking about myself. For example, if someone was to get my number, rip my picture off my WhatsApp profile, stick it into one of these groups and say, look, I went out with this guy. He, this guy sneaking around behind his wife's back. He took me out for dinner on Saturday night. Then he was really verbally abusive to me. Avoid him like the plague and he works for TNT Radio. It's all complete garbage. But if it's in a group with 25,000 yeah. people, unfortunately, a group like that, Natalie, is going to attract sensationalist people. You know, 25,000 yeah. people on a WhatsApp group uh, you know, talking people about just, men. Yeah in a close group, they're going to automatically assume that whatever the person posted, or at least they're going to want to believe that it's true. It's not a case of you're, what is it, uh, innocent until proven guilty. In these types of situations, you're absolutely guilty until you're proven innocent. And actually, uh, you know, I, I don't even like discussing this guy, but Russell Brand, who was uh, questioned and accused of X, Y, and Z by people, uh, there's a high chance that he could have done it. But then again, there's also a probability yeah. that he didn't. And the guy needs to have his day in court. And if he's proved to be guilty of said things, then by all means, run stories on him and call him call him ABCD. But you can't do that in advance. Uh, whether or not you think he's guilty or not is irrelevant. It has to go through due process and it has to go through a court of law. So it's not necessarily accusing people of committing any offences, at least I'm not sure, because obviously I don't that have access to the group. But even if it's not, just to take people's pictures, put them up yeah. there and have 25,000 people. They're, That's they're a lot of people, Natalie. A lot of people. They're, they're saying, they're putting people's photo up, saying, don't date this man, he's done this, this and this. But it's all about perspective anyway. You're making these people into criminals. Um, you know, And it does say, um, from a lawyer's point of view, 
Uh, they said people should be aware of what they're choosing to post on this page because of the risk of defamation in a civil mm -hmm. court of mm -hmm. law. Because mm -hmm. you can't just put a picture of someone and make claims about them if you've got no evidence. Uh, and people don't realise that. They could get in a lot of trouble themselves. But I'm really happy to get this right from the start, even when we're talking about Edwards um, and uh, Schofield mm -hmm. and Brand. They, we shouldn't have a trial by media. This might not be through the mainstream media, but this is a trial through social media. Now, how would it be if it was the other way around, Rick? Mm -hmm. What if this was a group of 25,000 men who were putting up pictures of women and rating them ever uh, mm -hmm. as to whether mm -hmm. they'd had a good date, if you see mm -hmm. what I mean, right? Yes. They wouldn't be allowed to do that. So how is this any different? How is this they getting away with this? Because to me, this is sexist. This is a closed group for 25,000 women to basically make all remarks against men without them being able to even defend themselves i really think i mean if we're talking hate speech this is a form of hate speech this shouldn't be allowed and you see proportionately as well you know we like to do a little bit of mental arithmetic here when we're doing these shows but there's twenty-five thousand people in that group the population of northern ireland is only 2.5 million people so our entire country has you know a quarter of the population of london so if you look at it statistically that's about one percent of the population of Northern Ireland is an actual member of that group. Now, if you extrapolate that up, that would be the same as having a group with 680,000 people in it in England, Scotland and Wales, you know, for the entire UK. It's crazy. So that's why proportionality is very important here as well. 25,000 people is a lot of people, but when you consider the size of Northern Ireland, being 2.5 million, it's 1% of the population is an actual member of this group. So the reach is pretty fair. And even if you're not a member of that group, you know, you're out with your friends People having a bit of a gossip. Say, hey, look, look what I've just seen. Are you in this group? No, I'm not in that group, Natalie. Well, look what I've just seen and then showing yeah. people around. And Northern Ireland's a very small insular country. There's no two ways about it. Everybody yeah. sort of knows everybody indirectly. So in this case, it's just amplified these I, I uh, can lies imagine somebody would lose their job. You mm -hmm. just got to get a screenshot saying this man took me out for a, a meal. These were these red flags, which, by the way, they're only perspective in some point, unless there's obviously been physical violence. In this mm -hmm. case, you'd go to the police. The next day, that could go around to the HR and you could lose your job. What? Just because of of one crazy person who wants attention because you've got to remember mm -hmm. not every single person who's posting is it's got any truth a lot of people just want the attention back and they they'll do. say anything uh so i would just say to you please don't encourage these groups please if you're aware of them let them know that they are up for possible defamation laws mm -hmm. you cannot just post people's pictures online and uh, say awful things about them unless you've got that's the way journalism works as well that you know you can't generally go do that unless you You've got some evidence behind you so uh definitely here uh just be aware of them and i would say don't get involved uh there we got another story we can cover australia rick uh we mm. know in lockstep everyone's trying to do it anyway but we've got the reserve bank chief talking about a cashless society here yeah, there's a massive, massive, massive push on at the minute in Australia uh, to get rid of cash and to get rid of banks and even to get rid of any banks that are there handling cash. So they're they're doing their damnedest out there to eliminate cash from general circulation. So the Reserve Bank Governor is a lady called Michelle Bullock. Uh, she has warned that the decline of cash could see consumers struggle to find an ATM and someday be charged for the privilege of using banknotes. Well, uh, you know, 
near where I live, there are independent ATMs springing up because so many banks have closed here yeah. uh, in the north of Ireland. So that's a fact. Uh, it's an absolute dirge, a deluge of uh, you know closures happening of banks over here. So as the ATMs get taken out, independents come in and then they will charge you usually uh, three to four pounds to withdraw money from the bank. Now, if you're only drawing 20 quid out, and you're having to pay a four pound charge in that, that's 20%. So you'll be charged 20% fee to take out 20 quid. Now, if you draw it 100, it's still the same amount. But even then, not at 100 quid, that's still 4%. So if you draw out money, you're charged between 4 and 20% just to use cash notes. People are obviously going to resort back to using their cards again, their debit cards again, because who wants to pay that amount of money to simply use money? It doesn't make any sense. So Bullock is uh, wary about the radical changes as the vast majority of transactions are now done with cards on a tap-and-go basis. So there was a, a statistic came out here just to say that 13% of Cash uh, transactions, sorry, in Australia are now done using cash. So think about that. 87% of all transactions in Australia, according to their figures, are now done by card. Only 13% are done by cash. So they're they're you know, it's a it's a dying, it's a dying transaction method using cash, and it looks like they're trying to finish it off completely. Yeah, well, she says, this is a quote uh, from the Reserve Bank chief. She said, it's very difficult to actually enforce payment of cash, but it's going to end up that way. What's going to happen and what happens at the moment? It's the costs that end up being embedded in the cost of financial institutions that are providing the services. She's almost telling us here that by hook or by crook, whether that be uh, charging ATMs ridiculous amounts of money or taking the fee away from all debit or credit cards, there'll be a way of them removing it in the end. During the last financial year, 718 automatic teller machines were removed and uh, at the same time, 428 bank branches were closed. Uh, that's a 30, 37% since 2017. So we're already uh, moving towards that. But she's basically telling us it's going to happen anyway because they're going to do it via charges. They're almost yeah. going to make it impossible in the end. Like you said, in order to get out cash, there'll be something like a 20% charge, 25% charge, a 50% charge. Yeah. In the end, if they can't, if they can't, won't make us to do it willingly they we as we've seen in the past they're going to try and coerce or force us uh to to get rid of the cash by making they are, it and, too expensive and you think about you think of any bank branches that do exist now the area that i live in uh all the old majestic bank branches they've all closed and they've been uh converted into little museum type things or art gallery things or some people have bought them and they're now living in them beautiful beautiful buildings built back in the you know mid 1800s into the early 1900s but now they're they're not used as banks anymore they're, they've been replaced by little glass units so you know in a shop and say you go in and there's a couple of people sitting there at their computers and you know a sofa there to make it look like your front room that's it the shift in banking is astronomical and even uh, this lady here here says the uh, reserve bank of australia boss says she grew up in armadale in northern new south wales she's particularly worried about atms disappearing in uh, rural areas or regional areas she said we're keen to see the industry maintaining a broad coverage of ATMs at reasonable prices, particularly in regional or remote areas. So it's not just uh, those places that are being affected, though it's the cities as well. So this is a, I think it's a real push and Australia is really pushing hard for this move towards a digital identity. And of course, to phase out cash to make sure all payments are done online. And then of course they're traceable and they can be stopped. You can be canceled, remember, with the push of a button if your bank doesn't like the cut of your jib. 
what I personally noticed in Reading, and I don't know if you've seen it, is petrol stations. So they've been removed from the banks. They're being removed from kind of like uh, the high street. I haven't mm-hmm. seen them. If they are, they might be in some corner shops where you have to be paid. But petrol stations still seem to all round mm. Reading. It's almost like they're prepared to pay the extra because they know it brings people into the shop and they get to spend more money. That's where I still see them at the moment. I don't know if it's the same in Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it is actually. If you want to, if you want to withdraw cash, it now you'll yes. probably be quicker looking for a petrol station than a bank uh, because most of the banks have closed, but the petrol stations are still there. But again, a lot of them now are operated by independents who charge you this yes. three, three or four percent fee. So they're they're just trying to sting you in every way, shape, and form possible. And that way, they hate cash because of the independence and the anonymity that that gives us. And what I would say is a little tip that I do um, is every if everybody, uh, particularly who was listening to TNT and people who know what's going on, if we all took a bit of cash out every week, uh, you know, work out what your disposable income is, take that out per week. If we kept cash in the in the arena, it's going to be much harder for them to do. So that's what I do. I go every week. I take a certain amount of cash out and I try mm-hmm. go use it in the shops. So that's my little tip for the day for you. It's mm-hmm. time for me to go. I will be back tomorrow at nine a.m. Carry on listening to Rick uh, uh, Locked and Loaded. Um, I've been Natalie Chill. This has been Open Line and TNT Radio, and we will see you tomorrow. Bye, bye.